Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Box Office Mojo Top 100 in Part 4 of this ongoing segment in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? In our last episode, we ended up at number 71 with Maleficent. And today, we will move into number 70 and go up through number 61 um, no new films uh, have been added to the list uh, in the last day or so so uh, this will be just 10 films in today's episode and let's uh let's jump into this shall we we're getting up there and i'm gonna say you know i'm looking ahead at these number at these films that we're going to be talking about today and one of them i think is very much doesn't very much does not belong on on this this list uh it's actually going to be the first film it's going to be number 70 that we talk about the rest of them though i know why they're on this list and i don't have any issues i don't, I don't have any quibbles about it but this first one I just i don't get it and uh i don't know i don't i don't think I don't think I'm going to learn to get it anyway, but nevertheless, let's jump in right now to number 70. So number 70 is a 2009 film directed by Roland Emmerich, uh, the uh, famed disaster movie director for the most part. Uh, this is a film that stars John Cusack, Amanda Peet, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Thandie Newton, Oliver Platt, Tom McCarthy, Woody Harrelson, Danny Glover, Liam James and many others and that is the film 2012 uh 2012 part of the sort of craze and hysteria uh regarding the mayan calendar about the end of days uh, i guess that's good enough to drum up hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office more so than either of the amazing spider-man movies um, some of the Hunger Games movies, X-Men, Suicide Squad, the whole thing, Captain America Winter Soldier. Nope, what we want to see is a shitty disaster movie from Roland Emmerich, who, to be fair, like not all of his disaster movies are bad. This just happens to be one of them. Uh, I gave this movie a 32, very low. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't like it. I think... John Cusack is an average actor at best, generally. Um, there are a few films I think he's excelled in, but but for the most part, I don't. Uh, this was before I thought Amanda Peet was any good as an actress. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is good. He's not really used well enough in this, and that goes for the rest of the side and supporting characters in this cast. But... 2012, man, like three years before the uh, supposed last day of the war of Earth, this movie comes out and 
blows up at the box office, I think it had to, that has to be like an international number boosting it up this high because there's no way it even came close to half of the films I mentioned before this domestically. So I, I have to believe that the reason this is so high on the list is from its international numbers for the most part. Um, so that's 2012, Roland Emmerich's film at number 70. Uh, let's get past that. That's the one I don't think deserves to be on here. But let's move into a film that definitely deserves its spot on this list. Number 69, the 2014 film directed by James Gunn. That's Guardians of the Galaxy, starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Lee Pace, Michael Rooker, Karen Gillan, Jimin Hounsou, John C. Riley, Glenn Close, Benicio Del Toro, Sean Gunn, Peter Serafinowicz, and many others. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy came out of nowhere. It had an incredible trailer, and it just dominated uh, the box office when it came out. It is a very, very entertaining, very, very good Marvel film that really changed uh, what we came to expect from the Marvel films. You know, this one really, far more so than Thor, took us out into the galactic space areas of the universe that Marvel's created. And while this film doesn't really connect to any of the others yet, or, or at least any of the characters yet, um, I cannot wait for it to do so. I'm really excited to see Peter Quill and Groot and everybody else just intermingling with Iron Man and Thor and Captain America and all those people. So I'm excited for that. The performances in this are great. Again, like the casting is just fantastic. Uh, even down to Dave Bautista, to, to Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. It's just phenomenal perfect casting and i love the fact that this movie made so much money because of all the marvel films i think this one you know considering it's you know came out i don't know it was like the 10th 11th 12th film in this in the universe it really did put a different kind of spin on the films we'd been seeing and i think that marvel needs to take a good hard look at their Ant-Mans and their Doctor Stranges and figure out why these, why Guardians of the Galaxy exploded the way it did and try to learn from it as best as they can. Uh, James Gunn, the director, brought a lot of great humor to this, this film. It does feel uh, very much like, very a lot less... Um, I don't know, it just feels more original than most of the other films, in my opinion. I think there's a little bit more character and uh, signature to the style going on here than we generally seem to get, whereas, uh, and I think that James Gunn was kind of afforded that liberty because of the fact that this film doesn't have to connect to anything else at the moment and is simply paving the way to introduce the greater galactic universe uh, to these characters. And Marvel needs to, you know, do that more often, I think. And, and hopefully they will. Um, the sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, comes out this summer. And I'm very stoked for it. 
I'm excited. I haven't seen any of the trailers, but I, I know it's going to be fun. Um, I don't know. Will it, will it live up to the heights of this movie? I don't know. I can't say, but I think that it's uh, it'll be. I mean, it's going to make a ton of money. Pro- po- possibly, probably more than the original film. Uh, I gave Guardians of the Galaxy an 86. Um, I rewatched it before Civil War. When I did, I rewatched all of the Marvel films before Civil War, and I think that this is one of the better, one of the best ones, in my opinion. So that's Guardians of the Galaxy number 69. Number 68, another film that takes place in 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 this in space. Uh, and probably the best-known film that takes place in space. This is the 1977, the oldest film uh, that we've reached so far, uh, directed by George Lucas, and that's Star Wars. Um, The original Star Wars film, uh, episode four in in the Skywalker series, uh, subtitle A New Hope, Starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Peter Cushing, Alec Guinness, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, James Earl Jones, and others. Star Wars is one of the most iconic films ever created and has paved the way for a multitude of franchises, films, memorabilia, and even lives uh, in its time. You know, this is a film that is 40 years old now. That's crazy 40 years ago this movie came out and in that time uh, the star wars franchise has had its highs and lows to be sure but it feels like we are back in a renaissance of star wars films between the force awakens which i believe is going to be much higher on this list uh, and uh, rogue one uh, both of which are films i liked i think uh, force awakens was better but We'll get to that when we get there. This film introduced us to Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill. It gave us Harrison Ford. It gave us Carrie Fisher, you know, Princess Leia, Han Solo. These are the most, some of the most iconic characters and people in the world. And they all came from this one movie, this two hour movie directed by George Lucas, just a kid with an idea. And it's incredible it's truly truly an incredible movie it it, it's a shame more film you know films don't come out like this anymore when was the last movie that came out that just changed the zeitgeist of the world you know like none none of them um I'm not sure. I I don't know what film since Star Wars has affected not only film, but just pop culture in the same way. Uh, You know, like this is far, has had far more of an impact than something like, say, Breaking Bad, which definitely has had a significant impact on the television landscape, but um, not to the same degree as Star Wars, you know. even you know maybe uh, maybe the Avengers uh, that remains to be seen. I think that that movie has had a very big impact on film. Uh, if you if the DC cinematic universe and the 
uh, Godzilla, King Kong, Monster Cinematic Universe, if, if those, um, if the direction those types of things are heading in is any indication, I think that the Avengers may at some point feel like a film that has done as much for the film landscape as Star Wars has, but I don't know, man, this is just, this film is almost inc- just one of a kind, and it's it's uh it's great that it was so profitable and made so much money it's number 68 uh, and that's without be adjusting for inflation so i would imagine it would be far higher up this list uh otherwise um me i gave uh star wars i give star wars a 94 so i give it a really high rating it is not in my opinion one of the greatest films of all time I mean, I guess it is, technically. I mean, it's in my top 200, so it would make... You know, I only really keep track of my top 100. This film is currently number 166 all-time for me. And that's pretty freaking significant. So, that's Star Wars, uh, Episode 4, A New Hope, if you will, number 68. Number 67 is a film that came out last year, uh, directed by Tim Miller. Starring Ryan Reynolds, Morena Baccarin, Ed Screen, TJ Miller, Gina Carano, Leslie Uggams, Brianna Hildebrand, and others. And that's Deadpool. Deadpool uh, blew up during the <laughs> during Valentine's Day weekend last February and pretty much wrote its own ticket going forward. This is the first R-rated um Marvel Comics film since Iron Man came out, if I'm, I believe so, and hundreds of thousands of people went to see this movie opening weekend, and the satire, you know, Ryan Reynolds, just the story of him trying to get this character and this movie off the ground is, uh, is compelling enough, and then for the film to be very good is just kind of icing on the cake. It's hopefully changed the direction of comic book films. Not necessarily so that they all end up like Deadpool, but at least so that they realize they don't have to be the cookie-cutter Marvel film that so many of them have been. Um, The reaction and response that fans have had to this film should uh, should be enough for filmmakers, for studios to really understand what we want, and we can only hope that going forward, these films will take on a new sort of life of their own. Uh, I gave Deadpool a oh, son of a. I gave Deadpool a seventy-eight. So I liked it a lot. I think that there's still a lot of sort of problems that the film has, particularly in the plot, which I found to be less than exciting. And not subversive enough in and of itself and you know the bad guy isn't really that compelling but the humor is there and it's very fun and the performances from Ryan Reynolds and Moran Abakarin are great uh, I recommend the film I think it's it's a good time at the very least and has one of the best opening credit sequences uh, around so that's Deadpool 
uh, number 67, all-time box office gross. Number 66, another superhero film. This is Spider-Man 2, 2004 release, directed by Sam Raimi. Starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Alfred Molina, Rosemary Harris, J.K. Simmons, Donna Murphy, Daniel Gillies, Dylan Baker, Willem Dafoe, Ted Raimi, and Asif Manvi, Bruce Campbell, Elizabeth Banks, and Emily Deschanel, Bill Nunn, Joel McHale, Daniel Day Kim, Stan Lee, among others. A lot, a big cast, a lot of small roles for some names that I'm very familiar with. This is the quintessential Spider-Man movie, in my opinion, at this point. Uh, when I was younger, like right after this came out, I wasn't as... I, I think I liked the original Spider-Man better when I was much younger. But the older I got, the more I began to appreciate this movie. And just how incredibly well-designed and well-made it is. I think Alfred Molina is a fantastic villain. And I think that Doc Ock is... Like a like the 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 subway fight between Spider-Man and Doc Ock is amazing. Uh, you know, all the action in this movie is fantastic. Far better than everything that he does with Green Goblin in the original movie. And I think that the drama f- from the Peter Parker angle of this movie is a lot better and more nuanced than it is in the first movie. You know, we don't really spend any time worrying about Uncle Ben as we did with the first one and I think that the relationship between Peter Parker and Mary Jane is far more fleshed out, far more interesting in this film than it was in the first Uh, and both Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst really sort of come into their own finally I think much more so in this movie than in the first one Uh, so uh, this is so like I said, this is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, I know Homecoming is coming out relatively soon. And we'll see if that's any good. I think that uh, What's-His-Name playing Spider-Man is shown that he's pretty capable, at least in, in Civil War. But uh, depends. We'll see when the... We'll see if he can hold the movie a movie for himself. That's the question. Uh, I gave this an 80. So not... You know, it's not like an incredible, incredible film, but I think it's a great movie and sort of an early pinnacle in superhero comics uh, at the time and kind of helped pave the way for what we know now to be superhero movies. So that's Spider-Man 2, number 66, all-time box office gross. Number 65, I'm almost tempted to skip over This is a 2008 film directed by Steven Spielberg. It is the fourth film in this franchise and unfortunately stars Harrison Ford, Cate Blanchett, Shia LaBeouf, Ray Winstone, Karen Allen, John Hurt, Jim Broadbent, among others. And that's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. A lot of fans of the Indiana Jones films want to ignore the fact that this even exists. And... I don't know that I would go that far, uh, but yeah, 
I mean, like, everybody points to, like, the refrigerator scene. I mean, it's stupid, I admit. But here's the thing, right? You've got an older Harrison Ford. He's still great. You've got Cate Blanchett, who is perfect and ethereal. You have a young Shia LaBeouf, who, uh, you know, for what he's worth, he's okay. He, he He's become a much better actor since this. Uh, but at the time, he was okay. You have Ray Winstone and Karen Allen, who are great in their own rights. And you have John Hurt, who's incredible. He's great. And and Jim Broadbent. These are all... You have some really great actors in this movie. And you have Steven Spielberg, one of the greatest directors of all time, directing your movie. And you've... So, like, the pedigree here is kind of ridiculous. It's kind of insane. And so the question is, like, where does it all go wrong? And the reason, and it's just like, there's aliens. I don't want there to be aliens. I hate that there are aliens in this movie. But the problem is that the film feels very much under the thumb of George Lucas. And I think that's the biggest issue that I have with it. Uh, I rewatched it. Uh, recently, a few months ago, and it held up far worse than I could have possibly expected. Uh, I think the score, I, I had originally rated it somewhere in the 50s, and the score ended up dropping to 21. Uh, 21. And it just, it doesn't have any of the magic of the first, of the original trilogy. It doesn't it doesn't put forth, put its best foot forward, you know, like we, I, I don't know what it needed to do, but this, everything that this thing does is not the answer, and it's a shame that this movie made so much money, because there were so many people, they saw good reviews for this movie, they were huge fans of the original trilogy, they like Kate Blanchett. They like Karen Allen. They like Harrison Ford. They like Ray Winstone, John, Jim Broadbent, John Hurt. They like all of these people and all these names. Um, you know, even I guess we're we were far enough removed from the uh, the prequel trilogy of Star Wars to give George Lucas another chance, and he failed us. And it's a shame because George Lucas for all of his faults, has created some of the most incredible IPs we know today. And yet, somewhere down the line, he loses focus and loses sight of what makes these IPs such great films, right? Like, you know, he kept making Star Wars movies and they eventually got worse. He kept making Indiana Jones movies and they have gotten worse. And I don't know how much involvement he has in the fifth Indiana Jones film coming out. Hopefully none. And hopefully Crystal Skull is just a blip on an otherwise... Just like a hair in an otherwise like delicious soup or some other such metaphor. But, you know, I'm going to go into Indiana Jones 5 with a very tempered and very hesitating expectation. That doesn't make any sense. A very tempered, 
I don't think I can finish that as a sentence. I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to be concerned. I'm going to be cautious. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think that most of us would do well to do the same. So that's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Number 65. Number 64. We went from the fourth film in a franchise to the sixth film in a franchise. (laughs) This is a 2013 film directed by Justin Lin. Starring Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Jordana Brewster, Luke Evans, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Tyrese Gibson, Gal Gadot, Soong Kang, Ludacris, and others. And that is Fast and Furious 6. The worst named uh, series of films ever. If you've ever looked at their titles back to back to back, they're very ridiculous and silly. However, Fast and Furious 6 at least has the number of film, the, the number film it is in its sequence. Uh, correct. So, this is the sixth film in the Fast and Furious franchise. Justin Lin, I believe he was involved in the fifth one, resurrected this franchise into a huge multi-billion like dollar franchise. I don't know how. And he did it with uh i mean he you know you add you've got vin diesel paul walker and the rock that's a huge trio you know paul walker isn't really a big household name but you know his presence in these movies is actually kind of paramount and so i'm really worried about the fate of the furious film which comes out very shortly i don't know if it's going to be able to pull off like its story and its its appeal without Paul Walker in it. Um, but Vin Diesel and The Rock are really good. I mean, they're just great presences. They have incredible physicality. And they've both kind of blossomed into these uh, sort of deadpan humor action stars in these films. So... I don't know. It's tough. Like, Fast and Furious 6, I think, is fine. Furious 6. Uh, I gave it a 64. Like, it's not great. It's not bad. It's just fine. It's good. Like, I enjoyed it. I'll watch, you know, I I could probably watch it again. I don't know. Like, all these films are somewhat interchangeable to an extent. Um... But at the end of the day, you know, these are films that don't really ask much of you and are prepared to give you a thrill. And Justin Lin taps into that, and each film has gotten progressively more and more ludicrous, pun intended, as it's gone on. And I fully expect uh, Fate of the Furious to do the same thing, and that's why I'm going to go see it when it comes out. So this is Fast and Furious 6. Number 64. Number 63 is another old film, a la Star Wars. Also another film directed by Steven Spielberg, a la Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And this is a film from 1982, starring Henry Thomas, Drew Barrymore, and others. Small cast. Uh, And that's E.T., The Extraterrestrial, a very redundant title. E.T., The Extraterrestrial is 
uh, kind of a hallmark in film. Uh, Steven Spielberg really could do no wrong in the 80s, 90s era. Um, he, he put out some pretty iconic films that we still reference and talk to today. If you, I don't know, if you're ever in a bike and somebody's sitting in your basket in the front, you cannot help but think about E.T. It's just so ingrained in pop culture, in society, in everyone's mind that that's all you can think about. Or E.T. phone home if you touch someone's finger, you know, like it just... This is just a, a, a truly magical film that I haven't seen in a long, long time. Uh, it's been 17 years since I've seen E.T. the Extraterrestrial. I do not remember very much about it. I have it's it's rated 87 out of 100, so it's very highly rated. Uh, but I I couldn't tell you very many of the details. Uh, I remember E.T., I remember him hiding in, like, the dolls, and I remember the wig, and I remember uh, the candy, and uh, obviously the bike and the phone home. I, I also remember a lot of, like, scientist-y stuff, I think. And, you know, this is just, like, a, a, a fun kids movie about trying to do the things, like, trying to, like, thwart adults and you know, do what your friend wants. And in this case, your friend is an alien that wants to go home. And so you do what you can to help him there. And I think as simple as that is, it's a very affecting and heartwarming story. And it's the perfect kind of story for someone like Steven Spielberg. He 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 nails that emotion. He nails that theme uh, quite resoundingly. Uh, so, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, great film, iconic, yeah, again, another very iconic film that made a ton of money. <laughs> Number It was the six, currently the 63rd highest grossing film worldwide of all time. Uh, even, 20, even 35 years later, only 62 films have made more money in, in raw dollars than this, than E.T., uh, so that's that's pretty substantial. Moving on to number 62 is the first, I believe, the uh, first Harry Potter film that we've come to on this list. I guarantee it will not be the last. And this is, in my opinion, the best Harry Potter film. Uh, it came out in 2004, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. And that is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, this is based on the third book in the series, uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, Gary Oldman, David Thewlis, Alan Rickman, Michael Gambone, Robbie Coltrane, Tom Felton, Emma Thompson, Maggie Smith, Bonnie Wright, Richard Griffiths, Julie Walters, James Phelps, Julie Christie, David Bradley, Timothy Spall, and others. <laughs> Um, like all the Harry Potter films, it is a cavalcade of amazing British actors uh, led by a trio of kids that were discovered for their roles who blossomed into, well, two two of them have blossomed into inc- well-renowned actors, Rupert Grint, uh, I don't know, 
I've seen him in other things, but like he hasn't made a name for himself in the same way. I, I don't mean to be so negative about Rupert Grint, but anyway, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. In my opinion, uh, unlike the first two book uh, two films, which I believe were both directed by Christopher Columbus, uh, this one finally takes on a darker edge to it, and justifiably so. The actors all sort of raise their levels to meet this film. You know, Alfonso Cuaron is a great director, and he gets a lot out of his actors. You know, I think this this is where I really see uh, Radcliffe, Grinton, Watson truly, truly own the roles that they're in, and not just miming what they know is in the books, but actually taking on their personalities, actually bringing life into these characters. Plus, when you add in Gary Oldman, one of the greatest actors, in my opinion, uh, for your for still alive, uh, as Sirius Black, a role that I think uh, he was born to play, you, and I think that The Prisoner of Azkaban is also one of the most complex storylines of any of the books and the most deeply affecting emotionally. Uh, it doesn't hurt that it kind of sidelines Ron for a lot of the, for a lot of the movie. This is uh, brilliant. And it's a truly, truly interesting movie. You know, we finally get away from the sort of hundred-year-old clothing styles that we saw in the first two book, uh, two movies. Uh, Quaron just kind of puts that all aside. Everything's contemporary. Everything feels new, up-to-date, and alive. And I just think that this is... I'm, I'm really glad that this did so well. Uh, you know, I think that there's still going to be you know, they're probably going to be more, more, you know, there's at least probably like four or five Harry Potter films that made more money than this one did, which is fine. You know, I, I'm not terribly upset by that, but I do think that, you know, having seen all of the Harry Potter films, you know, 10 times or so, this one has continuously managed to stick out to me as the best one. And I would... You know, I'll go down, go, go to my grave with that impression, barring like some Fantastic Beast shenanigans. Uh, I gave this film an 88, so I think it's amazing, and it builds on the groundwork laid by the first two films and reaches entirely new heights that I don't think are ever quite matched going forward. So that's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, number 62. And another third in a series uh, that is actually really bad. Uh, this is Shrek the Third from 2007, directed by Chris Miller and Ramon Hui, starring Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, and others. This is the third film in the Shrek franchise, and in my opinion, the only actual bad one. Like I said, Shrek Forever After is just okay at best. Uh, and this is quite a disappointment. Shrek and Shrek 2 are great and biting satires of the fairy tale genre and of Disney films in general. And then Shrek the Third comes around 
and while the premise is decent uh in this one the king dies shrek's or uh, fiona's father and now shrek and fiona are set to become king and queen uh but shrek i think what happens here is the the filmmakers and the studio forgot that they were making satires and just kind of steered into their characters more and that I don't like that and I and I'll tell you why I think what they needed to do is you know yes obviously Shrek does not want to be king he doesn't want the fame he doesn't want the attention he just wants to live on his own and that's cool but the way to do that is not to send him on another quest I you know we saw him on a quest in the first movie and then you know he was on the wrong side of uh, the fairy godmother in the second movie. That's cool. We don't want to see him on another quest. I think what we need to do, what needed to be done, is actually make him the king, and then, you know, make set, set up the story surrounding him being forced to be the king. You know, I think that his love for Fiona far, far, far outweighs his. Uh, disdain for ruling a kingdom don't bring up the fact that there could be somebody like don't bring up that there could be anybody else that could be king or just like don't have anybody else that could be king or or if there is have that person introduced in like the second half of the movie no quest that was the problem i think in my opinion my opinion just my opinion um so shrek the third uh which i mentioned already i gave a 48 so again it's not like awful like there's still plenty of good humor in here uh the chemistry between myers murphy and diaz is still great um puss puss and boots still is still in the movie i like antonio banderas in this so there's still plenty of good to go around but uh, there's just a little bit more bad in my opinion uh, and that's shrek the third shrek the third shrek the third that's the that's 61 shrek the third wow this is the shortest one yet and i'm okay with that uh that has been the fourth part in our ongoing box office mojo top 100 grossing films of all time worldwide series uh there are six parts left to go and Hopefully only 60 movies, but probably more than 60 movies by the time we get there. Thank you so very much for listening. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can direct those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. Or if you want to learn more about me, the podcast, the spreadsheet, the scavenger hunts, or the Circle of Film Awards, you can head over to circleoffilm.com and find all of that information there. And as always, have a week. She'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.